This weekend is going to be a hot one, and Walters has you covered literally. Walters Streetery has recently been covered with UV-protected panels that provide 10 to 20-degree cooler shade, making Walters a great alfresco dining option. Sunday night, Walters is also showing the Mayweather-Logan Paul fight at 8. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 2-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. Struck him out. Running a fastball to the outside. Off the plate. And Max Scherzer strikes out the side in the fifth. Here's the 1-0. Cracked in the air to left field. This is deep. This one's way back. It's not coming back. And it is gone. One Soto an opposite field home run. He has done it again. Home run number seven. His third in the last five games, and the Nationals here in front, 2-1. to one. And Soto stood there and admired. He knew it. That one about 10 rows deep and straightaway left. A long home run for the Nationals' right fielder, Juan Soto. Hudson coming set. Jankowski leading off second. The kick and the pitch. Sliders in the dirt. And the runners caught between second and third. Avila running at him. Avila still running at him. Avila still running at him. He's going to tag him out. What a play by the Nationals catcher, Alex Avila. Runner gets caught off second. The best rundown play is when you never throw the baseball. And the catcher out to the shortstop position. Deked and faked and eventually ran him down himself and tagged him out. And welcome to Nats Chat for Saturday, June 5th, 2021. Happy Saturday. It is a happy Saturday as the Nationals on Friday night won at the Philadelphia Phillies 2-1 in game one of a three-game series in a great game that featured a lot worth getting into. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast, flying solo on this installment of the Nats Chat Pod. Mark Zuckerman is enjoying an off day. Tim Shover spending time with his family. So yes, it is you. It is me. You are stuck with me. I apologize for that. This is like the Nats having to go with Jonathan Lucroy as their catcher early this season due to Jan Gomes and Alex Avila being out due to COVID-19 protocols. The Nats were stuck with Lucroy. You are stuck with me. Although Lucroy, if you remember, ended up doing a halfway decent job. So hopefully I can at least do that for you on this installment of the show. And speaking of Nats catchers, how about Alex Avila? Maybe the defensive play of the season in the bottom of the ninth on Friday night with a little help from a major base running blunder by a Philadelphia Philly. More on that in moments. But I'd like to begin by acknowledging something, and that is the Nationals defense. We will get to Max Scherzer. We will get to Juan Soto. But when you think about this national season, which of course so far has not gone well, 
And you think about, well, what has gone well for the Nats? The defense is by far the number one thing. It is remarkable to me what the Nationals have been defensively so far this season. The Nationals had been a bad defensive team for years. The Nationals last season, in that 2020 season, were the worst defensive team in the majors. The Nats finished with a major league worst, minus 45 defensive runs saved. And yet, the Nationals this season, despite the two major position player acquisitions being guys not known for defense at all, known for being minus defenders in Kyle Schwarber and Josh Bell, have been a very good defensive team. Victor Robles has bounced back from a bad defensive 2020. Trey Turner has bounced back from a bad defensive 2020. And the Nats came into games on Friday, fourth in the majors in defensive run saved, plus 27 on the season. And on Friday night, it was, in addition to Max Scherzer, the defense leading the way. So Jan Gomes does not start a catcher on Friday night due to right hamstring tightness. In another instance here lately, of the Nats dealing with injury. You know, the injuries are starting to add up here a little bit. When you think about Strasburg back on the 10-day injured list, Kyle Schwarber's been dealing with the bulky right knee. He did start on Friday night, but he was taken out for the bottom of the ninth for defensive reasons. Andrew Stevenson was inserted into left field. And now Jan Gomes uh, dealing with right hamstring tightness. So something to monitor there. Avila was the Nats starting catcher at number seven batter. First of all, he had a double in the game. He went one for three with a double and a strikeout, had a two-out double in the top of the seventh. But the two defensive gems by Avila in this game. So he threw out JT Riomuto on an attempted steal a second base for the third out in the bottom of the sixth inning. You know, Max Scherzer was excellent on Friday night, but he did have a few innings in which he put some guys on base. This was one of them. But Avila gunning down Riomuto, who is, as most of you listening know, one of the faster catchers we've ever had, certainly one of the more athletic catchers we've ever had. JT Riomuto is a very good base runner, period. Like, he's not just a good base runner for a catcher. He's a good base runner, period, for a baseball player, especially when you look at some of the advanced stuff. And he got gunned down by Avila for the third out in that bottom of the sixth on Friday night. How about the job that Nats catchers have done so far this season on runners trying to steal? Avila, with that caught steal of Riomuto, improved to three for eight on runners trying to steal this season. Jan Gomes is 11 to 26 on runners trying to steal this season. So your top two catchers, Gomes and Avila, a combined 14 for 34 on runners trying to steal on the year. That is terrific. And then came the highlight of the night. Alex Avila with the defensive play of the game. First of all, he picks off the guy, right? He's got the guy picked off between second and third base. The guy is a pinch runner, Travis Jankowski. He was pinch running for Reese Hoskins off his leadoff double. And then Alex Davila, in something you like basically only ever see in Little League, runs all the way from the catcher position to the infield dirt between second and third base to tag out Jankowski for a huge first out in the bottom of the ninth inning. And that changed everything because the feeling watching the game, and if you watch the game, you know of what I speak. The feeling was, oh my gosh, here we go. You know, Daniel Hudson's been a little shaky lately, gives up the leadoff double to Hoskins off Juan Soto, failing to make what would have been a difficult catch, but certainly not an impossible catch. It felt like the momentum, to whatever extent momentum exists, was on the side of the Phillies, and that's clinging uh, for dear life to a 2-1 lead. And then that play happens and everything changes. Moments later, Hudson gets a second out of the inning. Brad Hand comes in, gets a third out. But the presence of mind for Avila to say, all right, look, I'm not going to risk anything. I'm going to jog out there and I'm going to keep running out there 
And if I got to hold on to the ball and make the put up myself, I'll do it. And sure enough, he did that. And Avila talked about this after the game where you learn this in Little League. And he's right about that. As kind of goofy as the play looked and as Little League-esque as the play was, that was the right play. That was a great job by Alex Avila. Look, he's not known for his bat, although, like I said, he did have a double on Friday night. But he is a veteran catcher. One of the nice things about the Nats signing Alex Avila this past offseason is he's got a lot of experience catching various Nationals pitchers because Avila's bounced all over the place over the years. And so he's happened to have caught a bunch of these Nats pitchers, you know, whether you're talking Max Scherzer or John Lester or Patrick Corbin. And, you know, a play like that on Friday night. And yes, he was helped out by Jankowski, who inexplicably got caught in that rundown. And he was a pinch runner, too. Like, dude, you're in the game as a pinch runner. You're a base running specialist in theory, and you get caught like that. Just incredible. But Alex Avila, great job by him. And that wasn't all in terms of great defense by the Nets on Friday night. How about the play by Victor Robles? Here's the pitch. Swing and a fly ball right center field. Well struck. Robles chasing back, and he reaches out, makes a running catch on the warning track, then juggles and drops the ball. But he had it long enough. Terrific running catch for the first out in the bottom of the third. Runner on first. Robles sprinting like a madman to his left to catch a line drive on the warning track off the bat of Ronald Torres. And what made the play even more impressive is what Victor Robles is coming off of, right? It was just this past Monday, Memorial Day, on which the Nats activated Robles from the 10-day injured list, which he had been on due to a sprained right ankle. Uh, Ankle looked just fine on that play, didn't it? I have not seen the stat cast data on the play. I I wish they would have shown that on the broadcast. If that was shown at some point, I missed that. But, you know, you talk about route efficiency. That's a big thing with StatCast, right? The route efficiency. I tell you, if that wasn't a 100% route efficient route that uh, Robles took on that ball, I'm not sure that we'll ever see a 100% route efficiency on a play. That was tremendous. And that's a classic example, too, of, okay, it's not a diving catch, but it was an outstanding catch, to be sure. Robles is so fast. He is so much fun to watch in center field. He did not have a good defensive season last season. A lot of that had to do with the altered body composition, right? He bulked up. But in 2019, he was elite. In fact, Victor Robles in 2019, that may be the single best defensive season any Nationals player has had since a franchise came to D.C. to begin the 2005 season. And it's been really nice to see Robles get back to playing elite level center field defense so far this year. I know he, as a hitter, is a very mixed bag, okay? And we're still waiting for him to blossom and Maybe he never does blossom. We'll see. I, I think he deserves more time. I'm not ready to pass full and definitive judgment on Robles as a batter. But as a glove man, he's tremendous. You know, Victor Robles came into games on Friday, number two among all qualified center fielders in defensive runs saved at plus four. So he's back to playing at a very high level defensively. We saw that on that play in the bottom of the sixth on Friday night. And so you think about the Nats, right? And look, there's a lot to be concerned with. We talk about that all the time on the Nats Chat Podcast. But the defense has been good throughout this season so far. And, you know, it's really not that early anymore. We're a third of the way into the season. Here we are. Like I said, the Nats came into games on Friday, top five in the majors in defensive runs saved at plus 27. If you're wondering, well, does great defense correlate with winning? Well, take a listen to the three teams in front of the Nationals in terms of defensive runs saved on the season coming into games on Friday. Number one, Tampa Bay Rays, plus 37. Number two, San Diego Padres, plus 35. Number three, New York Mets, plus 29. You go back to last season, the two teams that faced off in the World Series, the eventual champion Los Angeles Dodgers finished last regular season third in the majors in defensive runs saved, actually tied for second, plus 27. And the Tampa Bay Rays were tied for sixth 
at plus 24. Great defense does lead to winning. There are a lot of examples of that in baseball over the years. You can talk about pitching, and yes, that of course matters. You can, of course, talk about batting, and that of course matters. And those are both question marks for the Nats right now. But if you're saying to yourself, okay, how do the Nats get right this season? How do the Nats ultimately end up having the 2021 season that we want them to have? Maybe, just maybe, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but maybe, just maybe, defense is the path by which the Nats end up contending this season. Maybe, just maybe, it is the defense that leads the way. And it's insane that I'm saying that because, again, the Nats were dead last in the majors in defensive run save last season. And that wasn't just a last season thing. That's not just something you like write off to the shortened 2020 season. The Nats for years have rated as a bad defensive team. And this year, like out of the blue, they have been this great defensive team. And I wondered early in the season, is this going to last? And maybe it doesn't last. We'll see. But we're not two weeks, two months into the season anymore. Okay. Here we are now, like I said, a third of the way into the season. Well, I guess we're just barely more than two months into the season. But you get the idea. We're a third of the way into the season. And the Nats are a top five defensive team. And on Friday night, the defense really stood out. Hey, everyone. Tim Shover is here to tell you again about Sunday Scaries. Sunday Scaries is the best place for all CBD products, including gummies, tinctures, oils, and more. They label themselves as the remedy that makes life not so scary. And I can personally attest that it works. I've been taking the gummies the past few months, and it helps with my new schedule during this long baseball season. Go to sundayscaries.com and type in Nats Chat, one word, in the promo code to get 25% off your first order. Again, it's sundayscaries.com. When you enter the promo code at checkout, type in Nats Chat to receive 25% off your first order. So if you're someone who needs help chilling out after a long day, Sunday Scaries is a great option for you. And Sunday Scaries appeals to a wide range of people, whether you're a stressed out parent, recent college grad, looking for your first job, and everything in between. If you have existential dread, still struggling over 2020, upset about the Nats start to the season, or just want to try and forget about your annoying new boss, sundayscaries.com is a great place to turn to. To recap, sundayscaries.com, promo code NATSCHAT to save 25% off your first order. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. About to see him get through the eighth. Scherzer over the head into the wine. Payoff pitch popped up. Left center field. Robles was playing very deep coming in now. And he's there. He makes the catch. Two men away. David Martinez is coming out. Now Hudson's in the bullpen. And he is making the signal for him now. Max Scherzer, of course, stood out as well. And this all kind of goes under the umbrella, right, of run prevention. Defense and pitching equate to run prevention. And the run prevention was there. You're 1-2-1. One, one. You're going to have to win a lot of games 2-1, it feels like, this season with the state of the offense. But Scherzer was outstanding. One run in seven and two-thirds innings on nine strikeouts versus five hits, which were a double and four singles. He issued a walk. He issued a hit-by-pitch. He threw 108 pitches, 70 strikes versus 38 balls. You know, you never have to worry about Max when he starts. Of Is he going to pound the zone? Is he going to throw strikes? He always throws strikes. Every game, Max Scherzer has an excellent strike-to-ball ratio. The best part of the night for me was when Max got pulled. Not because Max was leaving the game, but because of, like, the theatrics of Max getting pulled. Did you notice what Davey Martinez did when he pulled Max Scherzer on Friday night? Davey came out of the Nats dugout in the bottom of the eighth and right away signaled for Daniel Hudson. Davey did not even wait to get to the mound to talk to Max. Why? Because Davey did not want to risk being talked out of pulling Max, okay? Davey didn't know what to expect from Max. So Davey was like, okay, I'm leaving the dugout and I'm immediately signaling for Daniel Hudson. And, you know, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear what Max Scherzer has to say. And that's what Davey did. Now, Max did make it clear that he was good with being pulled. You saw that in his body language. It wasn't like Max threw a uh, fit or pitched a fight or anything like that. But I was laughing when I saw that because I just thought it was like, Davey knows his guy. He knows what Max can do, which is lobby to stay in the game and, you know, start cursing Davey out. That did not happen, though. Max was good to leave the game. Hudson comes in, ends up getting the job done. We'll talk Nats bullpen in just a bit. But here we are now with Max Scherzer on the season. He's got an ERA at 222. He's got a whip of 0.82. He has 104 strikeouts versus 15 walks over 12 starts. He has been excellent. As we have discussed, he's right back to being Cy Young level Max Scherzer. And it was so great to see him do as he did on Friday night. It was a hot night at the sit. Uh, This was obviously, you know, a big game, relatively speaking, right? It's a National League East game, game one of a weekend series on the road Friday night. And Scherzer was up to the task, you know, especially pitcher's duel with Zach Wheeler. Nats needed Scherzer to be great, and he was. Now, like I mentioned earlier, he did labor at times a bit in the game, labored certainly in a one-run fourth inning during which he threw 23 pitches, but he only allowed the one run in the inning. Max gave up a first pitch leadoff single to Gene Segura, stolen base by Segura, one out RBI single by JT Realmuto, one out five pitch walk of Brad Miller, one out single by Andrew McCutcheon on a one two pitch, although Realmuto then got ruled out due to being hit by the batted ball. So a little bit of luck on the side of Max, nothing wrong with that. And then Max struck out Alec Bohm on six pitches for the third out. Max struck out the side in a perfect bottom of the fifth. Now, interestingly, David Martinez allowed Max to bat in the top of the seventh. Runners on first and second, two outs. Nats clinging to this 2-1 lead. Max struck out feebly 
to Zach Wheeler on three pitches in another just thrilling installment of a pitcher batting. I can't wait till we get the universal DH. And here's another thing too, for those of you who are anti-universal DH, if you want to see starting pitchers stay in games longer, the DH will help that because you'll take off the table the idea of, well, I want this guy to keep pitching, but we need offense, so I'm going to pinch hit for him. Like, no, you'll see starting pitchers go longer into games. But anyway, that's another conversation for another installment of the pod. My point is this, Davey allowed Max to bat in that top of the seventh. And I don't know about you, I did not have a problem with that. Even though, yes, the Nats were desperate for offense in this game. And even though, yes, Max Scherzer, like I said, had no shot. I mean, he was totally overmatched in that plate appearance with Zach Wheeler. And Max rewarded Davey for Davey's faith in Max by going out there and doing what? Tossing a scoreless bottom of the seventh. Did give up a one-out double to Andrew McCutcheon, despite him having been down in the count at 1.12. But Max got out of that inning unscathed. Masson coming back from the commercial break after the seventh showed Max in the dugout in like solitude with his cap off. This is a great shot. Scherzer in the dugout. The hat is off. The head and face are drenched in sweat. And Max has this like death stare on his face. You know, presumably he's processing where he's at in the game, how he's feeling, what he wants to do next inning. You know, who knows what's going through the mind of a future Hall of Famer like Max Scherzer when he's mid-start. But I love that. I love watching Max. The intensity is just intoxicating. He's so competitive. He's obviously so good, which makes all of this kind of go up a level higher. But just seeing that shot was awesome. I, I can only imagine what he's like on a game day. That competitiveness is just, it's, it's, it's so cool to see. I, I love that shot of Max Scherzer coming back from break there after the seventh inning. So Max was awesome. Bullpen gets the job done too. And it was the varsity bullpen on display on Friday night. Daniel Hudson, Brad Hand, uh, those two guys end up combining for one and a third scoreless innings. Hudson tossed a scoreless inning, but in a very unconventional way. So Hudson comes into the game, two outs, bases empty, bottom of the eighth. Nats with that 2-1 lead, and Hudson gets a big out. Strikes out the Phillies' number two batter, Gene Segura, on four pitches. Understand, Gene Segura has been a really good batter so far this season. He came into the game with an OPS plus of 130 on the season. Hudson humbled Segura for that final out in the bottom of the eighth inning. Hudson did then give up a leadoff opposite field double to Reese Hoskins in the bottom of the ninth. More on that in just a bit. But, of course, Hoskins pinch runner Travis Jankowski with the toot plan to maybe end all toot plans with him getting run down and tagged out by uh, Alex Avila in that bottom of the ninth. You can always tweet us here at the Nats Chat Podcast, at Nats underscore chat. I'm on Twitter, at Al Galdi. Mark Zuckerman is on Twitter, at Mark Zuckerman. Boris Boris tweeted us on Friday night, tagged out on the bases like a nincompoop. Yes, toot plan stands for thrown out on the bases like a nincompoop or base paths like a nincompoop. Boris Boris says, on this Friday night, we needed to adjust that to tagged out on the base paths like a nincompoop. And you're right, Boris Boris. Uh, I think that's 100% correct. Can you imagine right now what is being said about Travis Jankowski on the always rational and logical Philly sports talk radio? Uh, I, I cannot imagine what's being said, but that's a Philly problem. That's not a DC issue. Jimmy is in New Jersey. What's up, Jimmy? Joe, I couldn't agree with you more, brother. You hit the nail right on the head. The reason why we lost tonight and the reason why we are where we are is because we don't respect the game, the fundamentals of the game, the basic tenets of the game. I mean, it's an ancient axiom that you don't make the first or the third out of the inning at third base, and they blew it big time tonight. So Hudson has an eventful outing there, but you get the tag out 
by Avila. And then, and like I said earlier, there was like this total shift in momentum in that bottom of the ninth. Hudson, seconds after Avila tags out Jankowski, completes a full count strikeout of JT Realmuto for the second out. It, it was like on a dime, the feeling of the game changed with that moment. That was a huge play by Avila. Hudson completes, it was almost like a double play if you think about that, right? Because he went from the tag out of Avila to like seconds later, the strikeout of Realmuto. Davey pulls Hudson in favor of Brad Hand. Hand comes into the game. It's in some ways high leverage, but in a lot of ways it wasn't because you got two outs, bases empty. Nats are leading by just the one run, but Hand gets a job done by getting out Brad Miller. So it was Brad on Brad crime to end the game. Brad Hand gets Brad Miller to fly out to center field on four pitches. So the bullpen is good. You only have to use two relievers because Max Scherzer was so good. And this notion of the Nats going with a bullpen game for Sunday, which remains out there as a thing, we don't know for sure that that will be the thing. That's still a possibility, right? You didn't have to use someone like, say, an Austin Voth in this game. You didn't have to use, you know, three, four, five relievers in this game. Now, we'll see what happens on Saturday with Joe Ross, but you were able to preserve at least the possibility of a bullpen game on Sunday. So that was good to see. Really nice job, though, by Hudson and Hand getting the job done. I, I know Hudson has not been great lately, but he obviously has been great overall on the season. I would like it to be that he gets, you know, a day or two off here at some point. That's do have an off day coming up on Monday. But look, I get why Davey keeps going to Hudson. He's been lights out for the most part, you know, and uh, he ended up getting the job done on Friday night. Hey guys, Al Galdi here to tell you about FanDuel. I'm so excited that we have baseball. There's nothing like watching a game with great weather, a cold drink, and a little action on FanDuel Sportsbook. If you've never bet on baseball before, now's actually the perfect time to give that a shot because FanDuel is letting new users swing for the fences risk-free. You'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. And once you have an account, you can get up to $25 back each day if your same-game parlay bet falls one leg short. This way you can combine multiple baseball bets for an even bigger win all season long. Games on Saturday afternoon include the lowly Detroit Tigers at the first place Chicago White Sox at 210. Starting for the White Sox, the former Nats prospect Lucas Giolito coming off a tremendous month of May in which he had an ERA at 241 over six starts. White Sox certainly look like the play. There's a reason that FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sportsbook. The app is simple to use. They've got great odds in all different betting markets, unique fun bet types like same game parlay and always on promotions that let you get more action out of every game day. And when you win, FanDuel will pay you your winnings in as little as 24 hours. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code chat to get in on the action. 21 plus and present Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, or West Virginia. First on my real money wager, only for risk-free bet. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site. Credit that expires in seven days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fandle.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 109 with it, Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 100-GAMBLER, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia. Tennessee, 1-800-889-9789, or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. The pitch, swung on, hit well. Left field and deep, McCutcheon can only turn and watch it go. And Juan Soto, opposite field home run, a low laser into the seats in left. It's his seventh of the season, and the Nationals retake the lead. It's 2-1. to one. It's just impossible for guys to just hit the home run and run the bases, isn't it? Just impossible. These little gimmicks. Now he's staring out at Wheeler. Look, it's still looking at him going into the dugout. 
sickening. All right, Juan Soto. You know, it's kind of odd. Juan Soto hit another homer, and we're only now getting to him here on this installment of the Nat Chat podcast, but it was that kind of game on Friday night. Another bomb for Soto, for the childish Bambino on Friday night. So Juan Soto goes one for four with a solo homer. It was a two-out opposite field solo bomb to left field off a 97.6 mile per hour four-seam fastball from Philly starter Zach Wheeler in the top of the sixth for a 2-1 Nats lead. The home run per stat cast had an exit velocity of 108.2 miles per hour when it projected 397 feet and was Soto's third homer in four games. We have wondered, is he back? He's looking like he's back. When do we christen him as being back? I think now you say Juan Soto's back. Three home runs in four games, that's being back. You know, one homer is maybe just a one-off. Two homers in two games, okay, that's nice, but again, what does it really mean? Now you got three homers in four games spread out over two series. Soto is back, and here's why I am comfortable now saying this. What have I been saying on the podcast? We will know Juan Soto is back when he's back to doing what, right? Grabbing his crutch. Because that will be a sign that the Soto swagger is back. When the Soto shuffle is back in full effect, and yes, he is grabbing himself, we will know that Juan Soto is back. Now, did he grab himself on Friday night? Uh, Maybe he did. If he did, we didn't see it on television. But here's what we did see. Juan Soto was mean mugging Zach Wheeler. Did you see that after Soto hit that home run? There was something going on between Juan Soto and Zach Wheeler in this game on Friday night. What? We don't know. Why, we don't know, but something at some point in the game or previously happened between these two. It was so interesting watching Soto upon hitting the home run and after the home run because Soto looked at Wheeler upon hitting the baseball. And then if you watch the replay, and you got to watch in slow motion, Soto hits the baseball, looks at Wheeler, and then spits in Wheeler's direction. Now, was Juan Soto like literally trying to spit at Wheeler? No, you know, baseball players are spitting all the time. So it may have just been coincidence that it happened that way. But I tell you what, it sure looked like it was something that Soto didn't mind doing. He smacks the baseball, stares at Wheeler, spits, while rounding the bases, looks at Wheeler again. And then after crossing home plate, looks at Wheeler again. So you had three looksies at Wheeler at least, and a potential <laughs> a potential spitting scenario at Wheeler too. That's Soto. That's swagger. I love it. That's what you want to see. That, to me, is what baseball needs more of, okay? Now, you know, I know some people are like, hey, spitting, grabbing your crotch, like, do we really need that? I understand, like, you shouldn't be maybe telling your kids to do those things, but baseball at the end of the day is entertainment, and Juan Soto at the end of the day is a guy who feeds off this kind of thing, okay? This is when you know Juan Soto is on, and so if he's the kind of guy who needs this stuff, who who is fueled off this stuff, then more power to him. You know, baseball needs all the color and flavor it can get. Juan Soto provides color and flavor in addition to outstanding play, and he's back to hitting in an outstanding way. We're seeing that here, and that stuff with him and Wheeler I thought was a lot of fun to follow on Friday night. Now, also with Juan Soto was what I would deem, if not a defensive boo-boo in the bottom of the ninth, then certainly a disappointing defensive moment. Maybe that's the way to call it, okay? I mean, it's not an error, but it's a play you'd like for your right fielder to be able to make, and he did not make it. Juan Soto failed to catch that Reese Hoskins leadoff opposite field double off the wall in the bottom of the ninth. Not an easy play, I'll grant you that, but it's a play that can be made. Soto essentially whiffed on an attempted leaping backhanded catch, seemed to miss time his jump. It's not the end of the world, okay, but it is a play you'd like your guy to make. He did not make that, but of course, Travis Jankowski and Alex Avila made all right with the world 
uh, not long after Soto was unable to make that catch. Overall, it was another bad night for the Nationals offense in this game, right? I mean, it was a 2-1 win at the Phillies. Nat scored just the two runs, finished with just six hits and two walks, went just one of four with runners in scoring position. This was another installment of the Nats getting humbled by a very good starting pitcher, Zach Wheeler, two runs, seven and a third innings on eight strikeouts. Kyle Schwarber had a rough night. He was the Nats' number five batter, 0 for 4 with a strikeout, grounded into a double play with a runner on first and two outs in the top of the ninth. Now, I mentioned Davey replacing Schwarber and left with Andrew Stevenson in a defensive substitution situation for the bottom of the ninth. Remember, Schwarber, of course, uh, just missed a game recently due to hurting his right knee in that 5-3 win at the Atlanta Braves on Wednesday night. Schwarber did not play in the uh, loss at the Braves on Thursday afternoon, the 5-1 game. I mean, I think you can spin this in a positive way and say, well, at least Schwarber only missed the one game. That's true. He didn't look right, though, in this game. I don't know if that was the knee or just that he was off batting. And I think it is telling that Davey did take Schwarber out of the game for Stevenson. So we'll see if Schwarber is able to play back-to-back games, especially with the game on Saturday being, you know, a relatively early game with a 4.05 first pitch. Josh Harrison had another bad game offensively on Friday night. I noted this on the last installment of the podcast. Josh Harrison has really come crashing down to earth. And, you know, Davey keeps batting Harrison in the two spot. I wonder how much longer that can last if Harrison keeps batting like this. 0 for 4 with a strikeout was Harrison on Friday night. So now Josh Harrison's OPS for the season has fallen by 120 points since the start of games on May 25th. You know, May 25th was not that long ago. His OPS for the season has sunk by 120 points since then, from 837 to now 717. Starling Castro, uh, one for four with a strikeout on Friday night, did have a leadoff single in the top of the fifth. Uh, Robles had the great defensive play, did go 0 for 2 with a walk, and the walk was an intentional walk in the top of the seventh. I do want to credit Josh Bell. He was the Nats cleanup batter. He had another multi-hit game on Friday night, two for four with an unconventional RBI double and a single. So Bell had the double in the bottom of the fourth. It was a two-out RBI double on a pop-up hit into no man's land in shallow left field. You know, the classic wee Willie Killer thing of hit them where they ain't. The ball, you know, it just landed where nobody was. The ball got past the Phillies left fielder, Andrew McCutcheon, who made a sliding attempt at a catch. But I'll tell you what, I mean, that's the kind of play where you say, all right, that's a lucky hit. That's not necessarily like a hit where the exit velocity is, you know, supreme. But credit Josh Bell for hustling to get the double on the play. He was running hard. He slid headfirst into second base and he got himself a couple of bases on that play. That's a nice job by Josh Bell. And he had a leadoff single in the top of the ninth, despite having been down in the count at 1.12. So game two at the Phillies Saturday afternoon at 4.05. Joe Ross versus Spencer Howard. Uh, Howard will be making just his ninth major league start. He has a 5.80 ERA over 35 and two-thirds career major league innings, which of course means he'll throw you know, six and two-thirds scoreless innings on Saturday. Actually, Spencer Howard was a 2017 second-round pick, so this is not exactly like the Tucker Davidson situation on Thursday where a guy was no business pitching well, pitches well, because he's facing the Nats offense. But this is someone who has not exactly killed it so far at the major league level, albeit in a small sample size. So hopefully the Nats can do something against Spencer Howard on Saturday. If you have your doubts, I do not blame you. And then Joe Ross is starting for the Nats. And if you don't know what to expect from Joe Ross, join the party. Nobody knows what to expect from Joe Ross. I don't think Joe Ross knows what to expect from Joe Ross. And his last outing perfectly captures where we're at with Joe Ross, that 5-3 loss at the Braves on Monday. Joe Ross for the game allowed four runs in five innings, but there was so much more to his outing than just that. Ross allowed four runs, as you may recall, over his first one and a third innings, and then was dominant. 
Joe Ross, over his final three and two-thirds innings in that game, retired all 11 batters who he faced with six strikeouts. He was awesome as that game went on, ended up with seven strikeouts in five innings on 87 pitches. So in a season in which at times he's been really bad and also at times been really good, he in that game on Monday started off really bad and then ended up being really good. So I don't know. I mean, the overall numbers for Joe Ross are not good on the year. 10 starts, ERA of 540, whip of 141. But we know he's capable. And especially with Strasburg back on the injured list and Patrick Corbin still struggling, it certainly wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if good Joe Ross shows up on Saturday. Would love to see that. And especially with the Nats trying to do this bullpen game on Sunday, Davey Martinez, you know, wants Joe Ross to eat up some innings on Saturday. Now, how likely is that? I mean, I'm not putting my money down on that, okay? But if Joe Ross can give you, say, six innings, you take that. And he's capable of doing that, you know? Joe Ross has talent. It wasn't that long ago, like 2015, 2016, that Joe Ross was a pretty effective starting pitcher for the Nats. So hopefully we see that on Saturday against the Phillies. But I don't know what to expect, you know? He, he may be awful. He may be great, you know? We, we just don't know right now with Joe Ross. Uh, a couple more things with the Nats before we call it a show. Uh, so the Nats now are 24-30 and 30 off the 2-1 win at the Phils on Friday night. No longer last in the National League East. Yes, cellar dwellers no more are the Washington Nationals. They are now, in fact, a full game ahead of the Miami Marlins, who now are last in the NL East. The Marlins falling to 24-32 and 32 with a 9-2 loss at the Pittsburgh Pirates on Friday night. So, you know, baby steps. Every little step we take, as Bobby Brown said many years ago, uh, Nats will take that right now. Try to climb the standings in the East. You know, the Nats are only uh, one game behind the Phillies for third in the National League East. We've talked about this. The division is very underwhelming. This has been far from the best division in baseball as the division was uh, set up to be going into the season. Just one team in the division with a winning record. Braves, Phillies, Nats, Marlins all have losing records on the year. The other thing with this game on Friday night for the Nats was Davey Martinez now is the winningest manager in Nationals history. Davey Martinez now has the most regular season wins among all managers in Nationals history. So talking about the franchise since it came to D.C., Davey got a beer shower after the game. He said that during his post-game Zoom press conference. He was soaking wet during that post-game Zoom press conference. So great to see that. Happy for Davey Martinez. He is, of course, the World Series winning manager, Davey Martinez. He deserves to be the winningest manager in Nationals history. Now, if you're curious, from a winning percentage standpoint, Davey's not number one. Davey passed the other Davey, Davey Johnson, in terms of just raw wins in the regular season. But Davey Johnson went 224 and 183 as Nats manager in the regular season. Davey Martinez now is 225 and 213. So from a winning percentage standpoint, Davey Johnson did better. But from just a raw win total perspective, Davey now is number one. And of course, Davey has a certain World Series ring that he can flash and say, you can take your winning percentage in the regular season and shove it, okay? Because I got myself a championship. Davey Johnson, though, was a very good Nats manager. I- I'm a big Davey Johnson fan. Davey Johnson was in on Sabermetrics, you know, decades ago, you know, played for Earl Weaver with the Orioles. Earl Weaver did a lot of early Sabermetric stuff back in his day managing the Orioles. And Davey, of course, was the manager, you know, midway through that 2011 season where the Nats, uh, you know, they didn't finish with the winning record that season, but that was a season that made you think, okay, this team is coming on. And then, of course, the bust-out breakout season of 2012 win the National League East. I know things didn't go great in 2013, but the Nats did finish uh, even then uh, with a winning record. But Davey Martinez now number one all-time among Nationals managers when it comes to regular season wins. All right, you tell us what you think. Hit us up on Twitter, at Nats underscore chat. You can email us to natschatpodcast at gmail.com. That's natschatpodcast 
at gmail.com, including if you'd like to become a sponsor of the Nats Chat Podcast. You can hit up Tim Shovers and conduct business with him, but we're always looking for sponsors on the pod. We're always looking for people who want to be a part of the movement that is the Nats Chat Podcast. Also, Nats Chat Podcast t-shirts remain available. Good-looking shirts, too. Wear them to the ballpark. Wear them outside. It's getting hot outside, so it is very clearly t-shirt weather now as we are into June. The website to get your shirt, natschatpodcast.square.site. Larges are left, okay? Natschatpodcast.square.site. That side. So if you're a large t-shirt wearer, you are in luck. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. I'm Al Galdi. We'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. There are 162 games in the Major League Baseball season and the players have a saying. Every team's going to win 54 games. Every team's going to lose 54. It's what you do with the other 54 games. It counts.